Oh, wig. It's hot local singles. Welcome to Flop Wars. <laughs> Welcome to Against Flop Edition. Hi, listener. Welcome to Hot Local Singles. And today we have a really exciting Against episode. Um, if you're a, a new listener, Against is the episode where we compare two albums against each other. Mm-hmm. And this week we have two really good albums, two really good flops. What are they, Joshi? Yeah, we love these albums. Hi, listener. Hi, Juan. Hi. Okay, so these albums are unique in that they kind of ruined the careers for at least a while of both of the artists involved. (laughs) The reception to them was full character assassination. Really interesting. Very early 2010s. Very kind of blog era opinions abound. And they are Art Pop by Lady Gaga and Maya, stylized Mm. with... Plenty of slashes by <laughs> plenty of like slash reverse slash. Yeah, by MIA. Yeah. Who and there's the Y. The Y is just a letter. The there. Y, no slashes could be used. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just the A and the M. But yeah, talk about a double whammy. Holy shit! What a pair up. So we in the local singles family, me and Joshi, love these albums, and I think we have this like rolling list of albums that we want to put against each other, and we had Art Pop and Maya somewhere in that list. And then on the Discord, we were asking the listeners what they wanted to see. And Jack from the Discord proposed Maya versus Art Flop with the angle of them being flops, right? There's these two albums that somehow didn't live up to the expectations of the artist. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of discussion around, are they really flops and what makes them flop? And I think before we start, I want to clarify this framing because I do think wholeheartedly they are both flops. Mm. Why? Because both artists failed in the standards that they had set up for themselves or that the public had set up for them. For Lady Gaga, the standard was sales. Born This Way sold massively, like massively, had a huge tour, literally peak of her career. And then Art Pop just didn't do so well commercially or critically. Mm. Maya, on the other hand, was more about the critical acclaim, MIA. I mean, like the first, her first albums were like literally Pitchfork, Pitchfork Darling, Indie yeah. Darling. Everyone was loving her stuff. And then this album came out and she got a review of, what is it, Josh, that she got on Pitchfork? 4.4. They don't do it like that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Like scathing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've seen an album have that review in recent history. Shocking. Yeah. Really, really low. Yeah. It's like, I think if an album is rated that low, it has to negatively harm society, you know? Like it's just so low. (laughs) This album cut an arm. Like, yeah, literally, this album just killed my mom and dad. Yeah, literally. Like, this Four album so launched low. a drone strike. <laughs> but no, it's like objectively the opposite. It's like yeah. pro privacy, anti war. It's MIA. Yeah. It's MIA. Both albums, you could argue, were very of their time, but also predicted a lot of what was going to happen with culture and pop music mm. in the coming years. Interesting. But before we get to that analysis, let's just talk about sort of the background and the context in which these albums were released. Yeah. And let's start with MIA since it was chronologically before. Yep. Chronologically, July 7th, 2010 is when it came out. Mm. Worth noting, these are both the third studio albums um, of both both singers. Yeah. So it's on neat recordings through XL and Interscope. So ultimately she's a major label Mm -hmm. artist. This is MIA I'm speaking of. Art Pop also Interscope. By the way. Yeah. 
MA was still working a little bit with Diplo and Switch. And they, I think, really, along with MA, of course, defined the first two albums in her career in terms of sound. And it's worth noting that MIA was at the peak um, right after Kala, which was her second album. The mm. sounds were getting bigger. I mean, in my opinion, the first two albums sound very similar, but it was becoming more streamlined than ever. There was a mm. Timbaland feature on that album. Paper Planes, I mean... Paper Plane was like a huge hit worldwide. Yeah. Hugest MIA song until Bad Girls, I would say. Maya, if you recall, the cover is her face almost completely covered by youtube play bars you can see the little play button and the like seeking they look so quaint now right it's i mean it's net art so yeah 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 but it's like i haven't seen a youtube bar like that since 2010 exactly (laughs) yeah no they you're right they i remember like i've listened to this album for so many years now that like every time they would redesign the youtube bar i'd be like well it's another iteration (laughs) (laughs) like how did it but that's cool, though. That makes it really cool. It is cool. It's so of the time, yeah. but it's timeless. Um, the yeah. album cover also alludes to uh, GIFs, I would say, animated GIFs. It's sort of like a gold bars stacked to make up her name. There's an HTML yeah. button that says Maya on it. And then in the background, I believe it's the Windows like maze screensaver, or it alludes to that anyway. Um, sort of brick walls, 3D rendered. So a lot of digital references on this cover. And needless to say, it's an album about our digital lives. (laughs) One of the singles, XXXO, is all about falling in love with someone you look up to online. It mentions tweeting. It's very relevant to this day, believe it or not, despite being uh, 11 years old. Another single was Born Free. If that rings a bell to you, the Ginger Genocide video directed by <laughs> Roman Gavra. Those were kind of the big cultural touchstones of the album. Mm. And it's a noisy album. It's industrial. Um, I think it was a huge shock to critics and also the public who were kind of expecting her yeah. to, in a linear way, give us the hits, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you might relate to that with your... With your album, our Totally. I mean, if there's one thing you can use to describe both of these albums, it's like maximalist. Yeah. So yeah, our pop came out three years later. And funny to note that in between MIA and Gaga had a feud, a little beef, after MIA said that Gaga was like, just kind of style without substance. We'll get into it later, but <laughs> in between there was a feud. And then Art Pop is, as you said, Lady Gaga's third studio album, also Interscope, released in November 2013. 2013 was huge for pop music. There was Prism, mm-hmm. there was Self-Titled by Beyonce, there was Daft Punk, blah, blah, blah. So the background of Art Pop was a lot of competition. Right. And she was coming off the heels of like her peak. Uh, so that's sort of the context. And I think I'll unpack this more, but... The perception of Lady Gaga at the time was very much so that people were a bit saturated with her image and her provocations, her like meat dresses. I think that's a lot of like the background and the reception was that people are a bit tired of Lady Gaga. Mm. And the album cover is Lady Gaga, it's a sculpture Lady Gaga designed by Jeff Koons mm-hmm. over this like images of like, I wish I knew the name of these. Well, one of them is the Venus de Milo, but I don't know the other painting is just very canonical, famous. Mm-hmm art paintings, just recalling the concept of art, capital A, art. (laughs) And that's the whole like ethos and aesthetic of the album is that 
which she describes it against it against as reverse Warholian. So in all interviews, she says the same shit. It's like, so Warhol took the soup can and put it in the museum while I'm taking the soup can back from the museum and putting it again in the soup can. <laughs> so this sort of like reverse, very like high concept. Then we'll get into it and see how the concepts actually played out. But, but that was like on paper what the album was about. Mm-hmm. The first single was Applause, which came out in August 2013. In a way, not very characteristic of the sound, because I would describe this whole sound of art pop as just being like super EDM, super synth pop, like maybe a bit maximalist, justice industrially techno mixed in with like pop melodies. And Applause has a bit more of an organic quality to it. I think it's just because of the like literal clapping in it. The single did okay, I think. I, I, yeah, I charted a number, it like charted number four on the Billboard Hot 100, which is not like amazing, but it's not bad at all. And then after this was released is when the rollout of the album really started getting problematic and people were really like, what is she doing? All these like Marina Abramovich collaborations, people were getting tired. And then in October 21st, 2013, Do What You Want comes out as the second single for Art Pop. And listeners, if you, <laughs> if you remember, you know why we all got so somber all of a sudden. And it's because this song is featured... Is featuring R. Kelly, a noted uh, pedophile and sex, like sexual abuser. And like that's bad in itself, but if you want to make it even worse, the refrain in the chorus is do what you want with my body. Mm-hmm. And Gaga says that over and over again. And R. Kelly responds and blah, blah, blah. Catchy. So yeah, I think that catchy, <laughs> very catchy, very good song. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very good song. Um, but we'll get more to that when we talk about the music. But yes, I think that's what sort of started derailing the background and the, and the rollout of this album. And then by the time the album came out in November of 2013, it sold like half in the first week, then Born This Way had sold. So it instantly, like within the week, there's an article in Pitchfork that is titled, Is Art Pop a Flop? And it came out within a week of the release of the album. Like within immediately, wow. it was branded flop. Yeah, it was like so quick. And I will say that a lot of it has to do with Gaga's promotion of the album. She had called herself a flop during the promotion cycle. <laughs> she had been, is Lady Gaga flop? Because, <laughs> right? Because it was supposed to be so conceptual and like self-aware that Lady Gaga like... So in a way, she, by putting her name next to the word flop, she invented the narrative for herself, which is a bit disappointing. That leads me to the reception, though. So this is like the background in which the albums came out. What was the reception like for these albums? Because they're flops, but should we elaborate a bit on that? Why was uh, Maya a flop? To be clear, I think Maya is a genius work of art. But um, Same, let's put that out there. For whatever reason, yeah, it didn't take on that connotation whatsoever. Like, I mean, there's one in particular article that, you know what I'm going to say, I'm not going to get to that yet. Might as well talk about the Pitchfork review, right? Because it was a 4.4, as we said off the top, extremely shockingly low. Honestly, plays more into, I think, a narrative of, of a pop star fall from grace more than what the music sounds like. Totally. I think at this point, like people in like the gatekeepers in charge were just kind of getting tired of MIA's what they considered a shtick of being anti-terrorist. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in terms of a shtick, it's like a pretty good one. <laughs> like, let's go with that. No, they you were know? like, let's they were be like accusing her of being a terrorist. I think because she was like pro Tamil tigers, which are like branded by the West as being terrorists. Well, that's that's true. Like her father led that movement, mm-hmm. 
Actually, she even calls them a terrorist in her documentary, but I don't really think that's an appropriate way to describe them. No. But I mean, from the West perspective, there was messiness politically to begin with, because mm. I mean, at one point, I think in the Lynn Hirschberg New York Times piece, which was a hit piece, we can call it what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a hit piece, mama. Lynn, like, somehow gets a quote from like a PR person from Sri Lanka who says, yeah, MIA like is misinformed <laughs> and like should stick to singing and like Lynn Literally. takes that as gospel. It's just absolutely it's so shocking. It's, like it's it's like if someone if like Edward Snowden wrote an album about the government and they called Obama to give a like comment on it. It's so stupid. Or literally yeah. Trump, like, <laughs> to, like Trump, comment yeah. on the sanctity of government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this pitchfork review was scathing. It latches onto one song in particular, the first song, which is really an intro, super catchy intro too. It's called The Message. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics go like this, you might recall. Head bone connects to the neck bone. Neck bone connects to the arm bone. Arm bone connects to the hand bone. Hand bone connects to the internet, connected to the Google, connected to the government. The Google. Not only in this song does she predict how addicted we become to our phones, right? Literally. Two years later, the NSA leaks happen, and it's confirmed that Google and the government communicate to one another and share information. So, yeah, and had been spying on people. Pitchfork latches onto that song in particular, two years prior to the NSA leaks, and says this. It's the worst thing on an album of failed experiments. A bad demo with a simplistic, paranoid rap that's as rhetorically effective <laughs> as someone in a dorm room ranting about the CIA inventing AIDS. Um, homophobic. <laughs> a little. <laughs> a little, yeah. No, but that's so stupid because, like, it's not as rhetorically effective because the this imaginary, hypothetical guy in a dorm room doesn't deliver it with the same melodic cadence. So beautiful, yeah. melodic that MIA is doing in that album. And you're a music writer. You should be focusing on the fact that, yes, it is a bit rough, but it is an intro. And she's a rapper. Yeah, I think if if anything, this album proved MIA was a rapper. Like, I don't know if hmm. she was always, I don't know. It's kind of, I mean, she does very, has a sing-songy kind of rapping style. But yeah. anyways, I think all these things play into just like how confusing MIA was at the time. Like no one really knew what set of rules she should be following. And to be fair, she didn't really follow any of them. Yeah, yeah. And it it had to do with the fact that she had been singing so much about political strife and uprising and she had become part of the elite, right? She had just married the Bronfman guy who is like connected to Seagram and stuff. So I think a lot of people... Gave a lot of bad faith reading stuff or music based of that. Bad faith, exactly. Once this New York Times article came out that you were talking about, it seemed like the consensus was just that. I don't even know if we've talked about it yet in this version of the pod. No, you mentioned it. Okay. You mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listener, this is version number two. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I wasn't recording. Classic. So yeah, the Lynn Hirschberg article, it's called MIA's Agitprop Pop. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a flop title. Honestly, a flop headline. But anyways... <laughs> It is full character assassination. Yeah. She really goes into it aiming to show the contrast between MIA's politics, MIA's kind of causes, which is that Mm. the Sri Lankan government is participating in a genocide, and MIA's material conditions, which is that she marries into a liquor heir and kind of has a nice place in California and is kind of in the music industry in a connected way now and she wasn't at first Mm -hmm. 
She was an outsider and now she's more of an, yeah. Now she's being portrayed as an outsider by Lynn Hirschberg, who we see in the MIA documentary fawning over MIA. Yeah, so fucking fake. So in the in the lead up, it, or in the sort of day that they're together, when Lynn's writing about her, the director of the Born Free video shows Lynn a rough cut. And mm-hmm. Lynn is like bowing down. Lynn is like, I love it. I th- think she might even have like a tear in her eye. Like she's like, oh, <laughs> disturbing, but powerful. I love it. Lynn's like, yeah, I also hate gingers. <laughs> yeah. And Roman's like, well, if you don't like it, um, just tell us. And mm-hmm. Lynn goes, no, I would. I would tell you if I don't like it. I love it. And then this hippies comes out, right? So it was fake as hell. Got the clicks, though. Talk to us about the truffle fries. What's up with that? Oh, yeah. So the centerpiece. The symbol. The symbol of this article (laughs) and the takedown of MIA. In the article, this is right after Lynn talks to the um, sort of spokesperson for Sri Lanka, who says that MIA is misinformed and should stick to music. And then it flips to MIA saying, I kind of want to be an outsider, she said, eating a truffle-flavored French fry. I don't want to make the same music, sing about the same stuff, talk about the same things. If that makes me a terrorist, then I'm a terrorist. If you know MIA, you know she can talk out of her ass. She rambles. (laughs) Um, If you're not a good faith reporter, you can make her sound like an idiot, right? So she eats the truffle-flavored the truffle flavored French fry. It later comes out that Lynn ordered the fucking French fries. Crazy. Dude. Like, that became the symbol to sort of MIA's hypocrisy, perceived hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And it was ultimately kind of a story of a pop star getting too big for her boots. So... Boots the house? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, sure. So what about our pop? Like, tell me about the reception. Very similar in the sense that even before the album came out, people had already formed a consensus on what they thought about Lady Gaga, and then they judged the music based off of that. I think with Lady Gaga, there's not as much like there's not one hit piece that you can trace it back to. But I did, did a lot of research on like different reviews, and a lot of the music, like a lot of the reviews from Vice, The Quietest, Fact, there was like over like not over, but repetitive themes about what they thought about this album. And one of the main things was that they thought it was a bit too self-aware or trying too hard. And I think that what a lot of what people were saying about art pop is that Lady Gaga had already done this reverse Warholian thing her whole career. She had already taken pop music and made it really artful. And then by making it so explicit in art pop, she was sort of making an album that was just too self-aware or too... On the nose, so that's like the recurring criticism that I keep that I keep seeing for it. And there's a Vice article called "Drowning, Not Waving: The Slow and Bitter End of Lady Gaga's Career." Like, could you get a more scathing article than the slow and bitter end of Lady Gaga's career that criticizes all of the era, criticizes, and like really, this article just is grasping at straws, anything that it can find. It criticizes. So it says the guy video is too boring. It's objectively boring, which is the worst part. Like objectively, it's music. She they, they criticize her for being too normal, too sexy. Like she says that she's too normally sexy, whereas Gaga used to be like a freaky sexy. They say that she is making herself to be like a legend, like defining herself as a legend before she has that status. And then that the music isn't even good anymore. And a lot of it kept going back to the music not being good. And I'll talk about it later when we explore the music, but I think that. I don't see how respectable music critics listened to this album and didn't take anything more from it. I think it was what you were saying earlier, is bad faith criticism. Because 
when you listen to our pop or when you listen to it now, I'm like, sure, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but you have to commend like the experiments, the like wild stuff that Agaga was doing at the time. And I think that's what was, was really like annoying about this branding of it as a flop. And the Discord, our lovely researchers, <laughs> I thought, although I don't remember this, but you do remember this. Um, so if the villain of MIA was Lynn Hirschberg, the villain of Gaga was someone called Angela Chen, yeah. who was a sort of like a blogger, but really was like a an alter ego for someone else. There was rumors that it was maybe Paris Hilton. Yeah. And this was a person who started spreading rumors and publishing blog posts about how Interscope had spent $20, $20 million in the promotion of art pop and how like uh, Lady Gaga, like no one liked Lady Gaga anymore, that she was a flop. Um, and then it seemed like at the time, if you were a stand at the time, 2013, it seemed like this was the person who set the narrative going forward in the reception of art pop. I don't remember it. I actually had fallen out of, I, at that time I wasn't following Gaga. And essentially I was like, not into pop that much. So I wasn't really f like following it. I do remember a lot of the like, my impression of it at the time, I remember a lot of the uh, Marina Abramovich and Jeff Koons stuff. And I remember thinking that it was a bit too cheesy or annoying because that was the year when everyone was doing that. Like JC had already had a collaboration with, or maybe did it after, I can remember, had a collaboration with Marina Abramovich. Marina was huge that year because of documentary of her. So it really seemed very much like, and I was really snobbish at the times. So to me, it seemed like intro to our history. God was doing like intro to our history kind of vibes. But yeah, in short, the reception of Art Pop at the time was bad. Like the stands were going crazy and saying that it was amazing. And then at the same time, music criticism. And I think just mainstream culture was a bit tired of Gaga. Gaga had been in our screens for four years, had been very like provocative throughout these four years. In our pop, she took it up a notch and she made it a bit more self-serious and in a way that I think it brought people the wrong way. People really didn't like that she started taking herself seriously. Mm. Do you think it's unfair because, I mean, what she does is serious stuff. It's, 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 not, it's not a simple matter to make a pop record. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, I also read a piece about Gaga from 2013, December 14th, from the New York Post. What happened to Lady Gaga? Um, first sentence was, it's already known as art flop. It's really, um, it's amazing how like consistent the messaging was across like every yeah, single literally, fuck. news organization. And same for MIA. Like, I mm. mean, it's just, it was just everywhere. Like you couldn't avoid it. It was decided upon. Yeah, totally. Exactly. That's that it. these two women were over and like, how can we chip away at them piece by piece from yeah. any angle possible? Right. So for example, in this New York Post piece for Gaga, it mentions for Machete, her stylist, quitting this past summer. And then it quotes him saying, I've done two albums with her. It's been like five years and you know, I cannot do it every day. She changes like five times a day. It's insane. <laughs> so it's like painting this picture of her team kind of leaving her, getting tired with her, right? Because she's a bit yeah. of a diva. Like without saying that, right. it's saying the classic, that. Classic, yeah, yeah. The classic angle to take down a woman pop star. Exactly. Like, you know, cares a little bit too much, but maybe doesn't care about her team enough, you know, like mm -hmm. caring about the wrong things. Um, obviously, the New York Post loves to quote unnamed execs. <laughs> the New York Post is all about unnamed sources, yeah. They quote this person saying this. 
She had this incredible origin story emblematic of underdogs everywhere, but she's no longer that. She hasn't found another thing that she can represent. When you come out and your new single is called Applause and it's about how you need it, you have to be about more than that. (laughs) I think that was a mistake for first single, but maybe that's a separate issue. Yeah. I don't know if that counts as like the background, but yes, it wasn't supposed to be the first single. Interscope forced her to choose that. It was supposed to be Burka. Right. So yeah, and her label, like both labels involved of MIA and Lady Gaga. The same label, actually, Interscope. Oh yeah, true. Had issues with the sound because it was just not what you would expect a pop star Mm -hmm. coming off their peak to do. And in a really good interview with Jean Gameshi, famous abuser, he (laughs) sort of asks her why... Following having hit songs, you've made a record that at times is less accessible. Why do we have to do it like that? You don't. don't I don't understand why the progression has to be a chart that looks like the same fucking chart as the growth of like Mac or something. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why I have to represent my success in the same way as a corporation's growth you know it's like i don't see it like that to me and you're saying that up isn't necessarily the the graph going up doesn't necessarily mean success no we're so socialized to think that's the way it has to go though yeah i mean if it, if it goes up and down we're, we're we're told that that's bad yeah yeah music you expect music to be a personal thing you know you expect music to be made by people who are musicians who are like in tune with all that stuff so that's like you're asking two different things i love that i love that you said that yeah that jenga meshi interview that you mentioned reminds me of i was watching an interview with lady gaga with a woman called miranda sawyer and it's that really famous there's a really famous clip of, of Lady Gaga and this woman in her room yep. and there's like mannequins draped over and Lady Gaga's like looking insane and like explaining things. And this was, and it reminds me because it's also a really good faith interview that How can I goes above it? and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There was really a, a void of vanity. And so, and as the blood rushed out of my body, um, how do I explain it? It goes above and beyond to trying to understand what Lady Gaga is about. And I recommend listening to both interviews because Lady Gaga, one, it just shows how Lady Gaga at the time was so enmeshed with this like idea of the canon of conceptual art and the way she was explaining things. It was just like all over the place. But it was, it was yeah, it was like an interesting conversation. I think it's interesting too that MIA was shitting on Gaga as much as the journalists were at this time in 2010. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. So in 2010, Maya said about Gaga, and this was promo for Maya, the album, we both mix all these things in a pot and spit them out differently, but she spits it out exactly the same. None of her music's reflective of how weird she wants to be or thinks she is. She models herself on Grace Jones and Madonna, but the music sounds like 20-year-old Ibiza music, you know? She's not progressive, but she is a good mimic. Scathing. Ibiza. Really pretty scathing, yeah. They made up by, by the time that our pop came out, but I think it's an interesting point. And this is started when I think when the conflict between the two albums is going to start. And I think that a lot of the criticism that Gaga gets is this idea of her being like style versus substance. But I think that in a way, I would learn, I would literally just 
send that back to MIA. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that you think you're a substance, but you're not. Mm. In a way, I think that MIA sometimes overstates what she's saying, that she thinks that she's doing this like radical criticism of po- of like politics, but in a way, it is sometimes just pop. It is very yeah. superficial. I mean, and that became the most obvious in her latest album, which we should not talk about. <laughs> I'll just say borders. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That it, <laughs> that's the issue with MIA and specifically, and with Maya, it comes really clearly is that yeah, she's not an activist. She's a pop star first and foremost. And I think that when she muddles that boundary, it gets messy. She does struggle with communication, and um, <laughs> I mean, just like getting the words out sometimes seems hard, especially if you yeah. watch her interviews. And like I said, like Jean Gameshi is a very good faith interviewer, it seemed, mm-hmm. and helps her get to where she wants to go. But someone like Lynn Hirschberg can snap on you in a minute and twist your yeah, words. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's just how journalism works, I suppose. But especially, totally. I mean, now I feel like we're talking kind of lyrics and music, which I'm into. But for Maya yeah. especially, I don't know if it's because, like, in her first two albums, she sounded more like an MC. Like, the music was just so bass-heavy that, like, you know, it was sort of like her shouting over yeah, the beat and like it had yeah. that kind of energy. And the vocal delivery was way more that, yeah. yeah it was just yeah. sort of powerful, right? On Maya, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not powerful, but her rhyming schemes become more apparent and the magic behind mm-hmm. them, I think, vanishes. Mm. Need I say more than rub-a-dub, rub-a-rub-a-dub-dub? <laughs> That's on the second song, by the way. Like it happens... <laughs> early in the album yeah. where you're like, okay, I'm actually not hearing anything. Like nothing's actually yeah. being spoken to me really. So in the doc in particular, in the documentary, it shows her as a beat maker. Like she's making her beats on the, on this hardware. Right. But I think making a beat is different than composing a song. Totally. And I think that's where the kind of outsider art comes in. Like, I don't, I don't know if I consider MIA, a singer or a rapper, but I do consider her outsider art because it's so neither. Totally, yeah. Like the way she's singing slash rapping is like often very monotone. And I don't think that melodies go where you would expect a pop star to take them. And all you have to do is mm-hmm. listen to art pop to hear where the melodies should go, right? Like they're perfect songs. Right. They're beautiful, yeah. perfect, um, euphoric songs. Although sometimes challenging too, though. Art pop melodies are like not straight up like pop up 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 poker face you know it's true yeah a bit more like yeah it's true but yeah so i think the maximal production on this album interestingly doesn't hide the flaws in mia's kind of lyricism Mm -hmm. i think there are powerful moments meds and feds in particular simple effective two thumbs up born free i love too Huge song as well, huge sounding song. But then it's balanced by quieter moments that I'm obsessed with and have always been really drawn to, like Love A Lot. Oh my God, I love Love A Lot. I fight the ones that fight me. I really love a lot. Really just like poignant, like perfect message, you know, yeah. like as yeah. concise as you can get really in a, in a song. Love Love A Lot. Also, It Takes a Muscle. Mm-hmm. which is a cover of some obscure Dutch group that I love. I love It Takes a Muscle. It's a beautiful love song. Also songs like Space are super yeah. um, low-key in comparison to like the chainsaw samples mm-hmm. in Stepping Up, you know? So it's this balance 
Tell me why it's similar by what you're describing, like low key, right? More like, yeah, yeah. So it 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 achieves a balance, I think, generally. But um, the cringy parts are ripe for criticism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's that's so it's like so crazy how similar. Yeah, the criticism can be for both of them because I'll get to the I'll, I'll talk, the lyrics the. Lyrical content of the albums is very different. Yeah. MIA is talking about surveillance culture. She's talking about the internet. And in a way, I think that MIA brings a message that is very novel. Like no one had really done that yet because it was an issue of the time, very novel. Lady Gaga's content is very much like what art has had been doing since Warhol. Yeah. Right? It's like this idea of like self-reflexive, art making like what makes the artist and it's just like the thing that's the thing about our pop it's very self-reflexive and it's not there's no specific subject matter other than itself other than lady gaga as an artist yeah. it's the most it's the it's the first album where lady gaga really thinks about her own fame so there's songs like gypsy where she writes about being like a nomad and touring her all around the world there's songs like aura where she talks about fame and how she wishes like compares her fame to who Wearing a burqa, which is obviously very problematic. And even the song that got, got her canceled, um, Do What You Want. And this is why I think it didn't click for her in her brain how problematic it was. It's because I don't think that song is about do what you want with my body, literally. I think it's she's talking to the press in that song. And she's saying, you you can't have my voice, you can't have who I am, but you can do what you want with my body. Right. You can like take my image and my sexuality and spread it as much as far as you want. But I'm going to keep hold of like my artistic persona or whatever. So in a way, all of these songs are, the lyrical content of the songs are all about Lady Gaga herself, speaking about herself, speaking about the what it, it means to be famous. I mean, applause is the most obvious of that. Applause, applause is the best song. If you want to know what the thesis of the song is, of the album is goes into applause, mm-hmm. where she talks about, she lives to be a celebrity. And then the iconic line, which is also very cringe, but I, I love it, where she's like, um, Oh, fuck, I'm forgetting, but she then says, like, suddenly the coons is me. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> in one line, she calls herself art, she calls herself a cunt, and she makes reference to one of her collaborator, collaborators in the album. In literally, like, three words, she does all that. <laughs> so I think that's pretty genius. But then it's all over, like, super messy. Like, dope is one of the most clunky lyricis- lyricism I've seen in ages. It's like a, a huge ballad, very, like, 80s ballad, where she talks about not being addicted to drugs anymore. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think lyrically it suffers from the same thing as Maya, just like really ambitious concepts that then, because it is a pop record at the end of the day, just end up lacking, unfortunately, because there is a pop record. I think the advantage that Lady Gaga has over MIA is that, and this goes back to what MIA say about Gaga, is because Lady Gaga's content is about pop music. Hmm. like you can sort of read it as being like just pop music yeah exactly yeah you know like this this reverse Warholian thing that she does this concept of reverse Warholian in a way she does do that she achieves that because the stakes are lower she's not trying to comment on like politics she's just commenting on pop music and then she makes this like honestly pretty experimental pop record so when she says that she's bringing art into pop I do see that because I do think that musically it's an album that pushes pop to more experimental boundaries, but still pop. It still like has the pop the the pop ethos, which is like taking bits and pieces of everything, taking like 
the Abramovich ethos of performance with the justice like French electro sound with the like Avicii, no, not Avicii, Zed, yeah. EDM, put it in a blender. <laughs> yeah. This is literally a Lady Gaga quote, isn't it? Like, put it in a blender, spit it out. Blah, blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's what I think about art pop lyrics. Although I talk about the sound too, but yeah. It's worth noting that um, art pop was considered an, an experimental sound at the time for pop music in the time of like Teenage Dream. Because EDM wasn't, mm. I guess, used the way it is today yet. Yeah. EDM meaning like American um, drop-based dance music of the time. But it's funny because Zed is involved with art pop all through Reddit. Mm -hmm. And the album's kind of painted as a flop, right? Fast forward a year, Ariana Grande does Break Free featuring Zed, <laughs> Zed in the title, and it goes number one or yeah. whatever. So, literally, literally, yeah. It's very interesting. It is interesting. I do think the production is just, I think what makes it, why, why it flopped and why it's art-ish is because it's super challenging. It's not an accessible record. It's not something you can play over and over again. And in that way, I think Maya wins. If there was like a, con, like a it is a competition, I guess. <laughs> and if there was a competition on which album I'm going to play start to finish on a daily basis, I think Maya wins that category. I think art pop is grading like the fa fact magazine described it as it compared the trans synths to migraines oh my God. and as someone who suffers from migraines i literally see that when i was listening to this i it, there's something about the like electric or like the this like jaggedy like zigzaggy sound yeah yeah that really reminds me of when i get a migraine um but i mean it's a great it's a great album but i can listen to our pop like it's nothing at this point Really? Yeah, because it's the MIA album that has like literal chainsaws. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny that we have like the reverse perception of that because I thought that MIA was like way more listenable than our pop. It's funny too because the kind of one of the main singles of Maya is XXXO and the chorus mm -hmm. goes, You want me to be somebody who I'm really not. So it is about the music industry too. Like in a way, the easiest thing to write a song about is the idea of what the song should be or like the idea of what their career should be. Because that's right, what right, that's right. all anyone ever talks about with women yeah. in music anyway, like how their career should be going or like what they should be doing. Because you tweeting me like Tweety Bird on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right? Like she's talking to us. Tweety Bird? Like we're yeah, tweeting yeah, her, yeah. we're telling her Hello what to do. Single specifically, yeah. And it's such a, it's such a, I think it's such a funny like third album thing mm. because when you come into a scene, you usually have a thing that makes you you. But then by the third album, you've changed so much already. If you're successful, you've changed so much already, right? That you start singing about the process of becoming a famous pop artist. I mean, it's not all, always the case for third albums, but MIA and Lady Gaga. They're really smart. I think that's their issue. They're like too smart for pop music. So they came into their third album with so many ideas and like this like need to prove themselves, I think, in a way. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Angela Chang. Yeah. I think it's worth digging a little bit deeper into Angela Chang because like you said, nice. she was a huge critic at the time and like mm. shaped the narrative of art pop at the time too. And 
Many people think it was Perez Hilton because he tweeted at her account at the time saying, you've done great reporting this year. Thanks for everything you've done. And it's like, no one knows who Angela <laughs> Cheng is. Like, she's not a real person, right? So like, to this day? No. It's like, Crazy. it was like a, an image from someone's Flickr account. It was like not a real profile picture. Like those Amazon bots that are going on the internet these days. Yeah, exactly. Have the Amazon <laughs> pickers who were like, I love my job. <laughs> I love peeing in my bathroom and my, at my job. Yeah. <laughs> it might be bothered. <laughs> Um, so all of Angela Cheng's journalistic work was on a website called mm-hmm. examiner.com, which is kind of like Forbes in that it's just kind of collaborative. Like you can kind of sign up and get a byline and like do whatever you want. You, it's sort of like a medium page, but it has right. the word examiner in it. So it sounds like a newspaper. And that's kind of how the, the figure of the 25 million loss came about. Mm-hmm. The only source for Art Pop losing $25 million is Angela Cheng, who is not a real person. Like, it got reported in everything. It was in that New York Post piece, What Happened to Lady Gaga. Like, everyone reported it blindly. I don't know. I don't have any sources for this, but on the Discord, someone said that the contract leaked and Angela was right. But I I, I didn't get the, I didn't see the leak, so I don't know. I don't know either, yeah. And yeah, what's what? It was specifically, Angela said that it was $25 million in marketing, not the budget of the album. So. Right. Some discrepancies there. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Interestingly, you mentioned Dope, the song, sort of like a weird ballad yeah. on an otherwise maximal album. Yeah. Angela Chang hates that song, hated that I song. It's my least favorite too. Actually. Rallied against it <laughs> because it charted really well. It was like one of the hits from the album. Oh, crazy. Because Interscope paid for YouTube ads. And at the time, Billboard counted those views. And it was oh the God. ad in question was, a performance at like the YouTube Music Awards, if you remember those happening a few years. So basically what happened was if you had autoplay on and this mm-hmm. thing started playing, if you played it all the way through, that counted as a stream. And I think back then in 2010 or 2013, I guess, streams counted for more. Like they they hadn't quite mm-hmm. figured out the balance yet. I mean, they're always changing it. It's bullshit really. Anyways. They're always changing it. <laughs> Anyways, so that contributed to Dope doing incredibly well. Angela Cheng was like, Bill Word, who was like the director or whatever at Billboard at the time, you should resign. She like predicted correctly that he would be kind of moved around and like moving to a new company or something. So that kind of gave her credibility too. But basically, Dope was a huge centerpiece for Angela um, in how kind of corrupt both Billboard and Art Pop is and how she says Interscope is working with Billboard to make a chart better. She obviously mentioned the 99 cent singles and all that shit, you know. Right. So no one knows who Ang- Angela Cheng is, but the director of Billboard, Bill Word, had to respond. Like it was a big mm, enough deal. That's crazy. <laughs> I love the theory of it being a Madonna stand. Yeah. <laughs> like an angry Madonna stand. I believe Jack posted a screenshot of like, a few headlines that both Angela and her coworker, I'm using air quotes, posted in like <laughs> Sabrina O'Connor. Sabrina O'Connor. They posted <laughs> these headlines in like 10 days. Okay. Are you ready? Lady Gaga announces new tour with bargain bin ticket prices. <laughs> Lady Gaga now tries to rip off Boy George. Lady Gaga now has to deal with mediocre early ticket sales. Lady Gaga uses the voice to lie about awful concert ticket sales. Oh Lady Gaga art pop still severely discounted as concert ticket sales flop. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I have a new theory. Listen. Okay. 
Lady Gaga is Angela Chen. What? Stephanie Germanotta is Angela Chen because on the lead up, I was watching a video and like on the lead up to the album, as I mentioned, Lady Gaga is like constantly tweeting from her account, tweeting, Lady Gaga's a flop. Yeah. Lady Gaga's over. Lady Gaga's copying Madonna. Lady Gaga's copying Katy Perry. Like this whole, the whole lead up to the album release, Lady Gaga was like painting herself in like a f- finally in like a par- in a parody way, like printing yourself out to be a flop and like I'd be a copy and just like picking up all those like negative press that was around her yeah. and like mimicking as like this like art project or whatever, like self-reflexive art project. And I was saying earlier, I think that in her doing that, she created the, her own narrative, unfortunately. I don't think mm. like if you put your name next, next to the word flop, people are going to start just associating the two. But yeah, it's probably not Lady Gaga. I'm just joking. It definitely <laughs> stuck, the word flop, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think I mentioned this earlier, but it was a very different time on the internet. Like, um, MIA also refers to the internet changing hands around this time. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Ownership of the internet has changed hands, you know. Like, internet isn't this amazing, free utopia you know that's why my album is difficult because it's not that shit is not easy anymore like you have to it's tough love it's like yeah you want to find the truth you're gonna have to sit there and dedicate some time to it she's saying like we're going from independent writers to these platforms and these days like blogs are dead it's twitter it's twitter in the newspapers right so i think this was like the final few years of People's opinions getting clicks. Literally, hipster runoff died around 2013, 12. Like, wow, yeah. So, like, yeah. So, yeah, it was like your editors wanted you to get people mad. And, like, you still see, like, opinion pieces like this from the newspapers these days. But, like, mm-hmm. on this standum level, like, it's very early 2010s. Like, you don't get that anymore. Yeah. Like, you don't tear down celebrities anymore because it's, like, body it's negative or whatever. celebrities. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, literally, yeah. anti And also because Stan... Stan culture, which was kind of like Stan culture, as we know, it was kind of invented by little monsters. Stan culture makes it really hard to do that nowadays too, because, and you see that with Lana Del Rey, for example, when there's like a really negative review and the artist, much like MIA leaked the phone number for Lynn Hirschberg. Hirschberg. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. When Lana did that with uh, like, not even that negative, but an okay review of NFR, the Stan started harassing the um, journalist, the writer. And we've seen so many cases of that recently. Yeah, I think nowadays, because you're right, there was like, back in the day, there was like three tiers. The like publications, the blogs, and the stands. The middle tier has sort of been erased. And now it's just the stands flopping around crazy, like literally like more manic than ever without any like self-awareness or any like self-criticism. And then at the top, the newspapers kind of reporting on what the crazy stands are doing or just being completely not the finger on the pulse, just either reporting on that or reporting on like Sam Smith and Lady Lovato, like artists who just no one cares about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like this middle tier that sort of got lost. Definitely. Yeah. When the internet changed hands. I love that sentence from MIA, the internet changing hands. Once she gets it right, right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very frustrating being an MIA fan. And I remembered that while like watching the documentary and listening to this album deeper than I maybe previously did because Mm. all the ideas are there. And she's like, she has a way with words. You have to admit it, but like she has a way with words. But when she doesn't like, she just fucks up 
totally like it just totally fucks everything up yeah i think what she's great at is like um she's not as good she calls herself ignorant in that com- um interview with jen Gumeshi, which i don't think she's ignorant but i do think she sometimes lacks like the sophisticated knowledge in a particular thing mm. and that translates to her vocab like too like the words that she uses so yeah. she's not mariah carey where she's not using elusive chantez but she's really good at making really great rhyming schemes for sure and that plus her posh accent it's kind of like oh, i love her accent i love it too but like americans can't really handle english spoken un-americanly yeah right it like colors their entire perception of the person like, all you have to do is, like, go on Twitter to see, like, Australian jokes, right? Or, like, anything. <laughs> yeah, like, any non-American English is sort of yeah. lesser to Americans. And especially, I think it especially shows itself, like, the result of that in how MIA's messages are received. Yeah, yeah, totally. Too posh to be talking about terrorism, whatever. It's funny that you mentioned that because literally that's what Bill, was it Bill Maher, I think, is the name of that guy? Like, mm-hmm. a famous talk show host. yes. She goes on her show, on his show, and talk about Tamil liberation or Tamil genocide. I forget. And he says that. But do you consider yourself to really be like a Sri Lankan, like a random Sri Lankan? And she's like, Yeah, sort of. And she's like, well, Even with your accent. And it's like, Okay, have you not heard of the concept of like immigration? Literally. Like, <laughs> Bill Maher, like he was supposed to be liberal, right? Like I grew up thinking he was like a good one. You know? I think it's. I think it's when we had like a very narrow conception of what liberalism was because I, I agree. Yeah. I, I thought, but at the time we were dumber or something. <laughs> we were babies. We were babies. Yeah. Well, what a conversation. Um, what a conversation. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, I will add just because I feel like we are going like the last few things that I want to say about art pop. I did grapple with this question that you asked me earlier and I sort of already dealt with it, but before we started, Joshi asked me, like, what is the art in our pop? Mm-hmm. I find the art, but I'm trying to think, what art? Like, which specific art? Because art is such a broad thing. Like, literally, like, <laughs> what do you mean art? <laughs> There's, like, a thousand schools of art, some of them contradicting each other. And I think what the art in art pop, then, is this, like, weirdly, like, canonical... Lady Gaga just took the concept of art, took Jeff Koons, who was the biggest artist at the time, Marina, who was the biggest, like, uh, performance artist at the time, it seems so much like someone who's just learning art and then putting all those symbols and signifiers together in one thing. So it's not even like a specific art movement that she's referring to. She's not referring to like romanticism or realism. It's just art, capital mm-hmm. A, art. And in a way, I think, and this is what I'll say is my main issue with art pop, is that at the time of making, 2013, the main art strand that was still being popular was like, conceptual or net art that is very ironic. Like at the time that art was very ironic was using signifiers of like web one pono and like repurposing them and like sort of making fun of them or being like, oh, this isn't this funny how like age this looks. Performance art was doing the same sort of like conceptual art of like art that just like commented on itself. Anyway, so anyway, this was very, very like ironic mode of creation, which is the opposite of Lady Gaga. I think. I think that if you can trace a line through Lady Gaga's career is that she's someone who's very sincere about what she makes. I think she really always believes wholeheartedly in what she makes to a fault. Mm. So then when she tries to do art at the time, in 2013, art at the time was the opposite of what she was. So there's too many layers of like sincerity and irony and then sincerity and irony that just ended up 
making her message come across. I think that's why people didn't vibe with her message at the time. It's because it was, it was just someone who's very, I mean, Lady Gaga at the end of the day is a theater kid. She's a theater geek. Someone who's very sincere. And then trying to do this like artistic gesture of like being very ironic or very self-referential, very like conceptual. It just didn't work for her as much, I think. But I think that musically our pop is amazing. I think that not only does it use the sounds of its time, it also sort of predicted what those sounds would evolve into. Mm -hmm. I think uh, has a great set of references with like the Justice Electro sound. I love songs like Aura, Venus, Guy. I think my favorite Lady Gaga song ever is Our Pop. Hmm. I think it is like a, 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 a mostly out of taste. I have my own personal taste. I love a ballad, and it's not a ballad, but it, it's a very low key ballad. Like I think Lady Gaga, when Lady Gaga does ballads, she thinks like theater kid ballads, like you know, like singing out loud, <laughs> like dope. <laughs> But our pop, she does something really nice, which is like a low-key ballad, a low-key song with like that beat that it like just goes throughout the whole song is so, so like, re not relaxing, but I don't know, so like immersive. Mm. And she describes it as being infinite. And when she says that it clicks, it's like, yeah, the song sounds like it just sprawls throughout the world forever. It's my favorite Lady Gaga song. I love it. Art pop can be anything. <laughs> I love art pop too. I love sex dreams. I love, I love fashion. Yeah, I did ask you about art pop being like, where's the art? And I guess yeah, it's yeah. a visual visual art anyway. So like it's in the visuals and it's in the marketing, really. Exactly. And the, and the concept of, you know, like this like idea of- like I know. So that's the thing. And you've already mentioned this, but Lady Gaga does kind of add a layer onto her music afterwards that kind of distances mm -hmm. the pure popness of it. I think in her mind, especially with our pop. Yeah. But to me, I mean like listening to it now, it's literally just pop music. Like I don't really hear any concept other than it's a bop front to back. Um, mm. That's my take. I think at the time EDM meant different things to me. It sounds like all mm. the music from the 2010s, but I think that's maybe retrospect in retrospect. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it just has a bit more maximalism. Like it's not like your normal, I don't think it's a, like the Zed songs are not normal Zed songs are like mm. Zed through justice. You know what I mean? Like just like. Well, if you listen to Swine especially, it's like that is yeah. unheard of. It's crazy. The composition of the songs is crazy. Some of them just don't, I don't think they're straight up, straightforward pop. I think they're just like too extra to be that. They're a bit inaccessible. No, know? I agree yeah. actually. It's almost more about the form of each song than yeah. the sounds maybe like. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she does use, at the end of the day, pop sounds and melodies. And like her, the, her melodies are, like, as amazing and classic as ever, yeah. really. Yeah. I think that's that. We need to talk about how they've aged. Mm -hmm. Interesting discussion. This is the section that we call karma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we kind of dropped the rubric this time. Oh, yeah. Or loosened <laughs> it a bit, in case you didn't notice, but... <laughs> But we kept karma because we love karma. So yeah, how did Maya age? Well, when the NSA leaks came out a couple years later, she was vindicated, long story short. I think it's aged well too. Like I think fans love it. Mm -hmm. I think anytime an album quote flops or doesn't live up to expectations, it becomes even more cult, yeah. cult, cult and like iconic and reflective of why people love an artist really. Totally. Everyone loves an underdog. Like that's why people listen to music. Everyone likes to pop music. Literally, everyone yeah. likes to be right. You know, like everyone likes to yeah. listen to the good shit. 
I can't think of many pop artists who have been as thematically vindicated as M.I.A. was with that. Right. Like, I can't think of many artists who came out with an album with such a specific message that at the time was literally, like, as, as we said earlier in the episode, told to be a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Only for three years after, for there to be a leak that completely just, like, to the T says that what she was saying is right. Like, I don't think there's any other artist out there who has done that. It's almost like whistleblower status, you know? Like, she's almost an Edward Snowden. Yeah, literally. The thing with Edward Snowden is, like, he's constantly fleeing, and I feel like, in a way, MIA will never be mainstream again. You know? Like, the damage yeah, no. is done. The ship has sailed for that. Yeah. For her. Um, I think, yeah, you're so right. Maya H., I think... In my corner of the internet, it was sometime around 2018 when everyone started reposting clips and songs from yeah. uh, from that album. And I think everyone had a collective realization that not only was she right, it sounded really great too. Yeah. And I think the, the video for XXXO is like a really good entry point listener. Mm-hmm. So watch that. What do you think about the karma, not on the album, but on MIA? So sort of her career since... Because it really derailed our career a bit. I think so, a bit. I mean, like, right after she does Super Bowl with Madonna and Nikki, does the middle <laughs> yeah. finger. Oh, shit, yeah, of so course, yeah. that, like, fucks the trajectory up even more. Like, it's just amazing how big of a deal that was. Like, if you remember, like, the NFL wanted her to pay $16 million. She was on the screen for, like, 15 seconds. They wanted, like, a million dollars a minute, a second, I mean. So... Once again, from every angle, in the documentary, she says, it's like, that's what America does. Like, when they're done with you, they chip away at you until there's nothing left. (laughs) And that's what happened. And, I mean, like, the fact is, the following album, Matangi, was a huge success, artistically. Oh, yeah, because of Bad Girls. Bad Girls, um, Bring the Noise had an incredible video. Double Bubble Trouble was, like, allegedly the single, but it worked on the dance floor. (laughs) Like, it worked. I actually really liked that album. I really like that album. I saw her live for that album. Same. It's much better than I think <laughs> our um, narrative is implying it would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one after that, that was the one that I think is no good. It's just, there's not enough there. But I mean, there's decent songs on all of her projects. So totally, she's never going to be over. Like, that's not a real thing. Like, no. you know. In fact, we want her back. We really want new MIA music. And some leaked recently. If you if you go to the oh, HLS yeah. Discord, there's some links there. But yeah, tell us about Art Pop's um, legacy, Juan. Karma? I mean, what can I say? So similar again. Yeah. Really so similar albums. Like the legacy, I don't think Art Pop had like a message. So in that sense, it wasn't vindicated like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, she was right about that. No. But um, it was vindicated in terms of like, the stands bringing back the fact that it really was one of Gaga's most interesting musically projects. Um, and I think that years after when the dust settled and people listened to the album without the preconceptions, people were like, right, like no one is making pop music like this, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. I feel like in my examination of it, I thought literally like it's a masterclass on era making. Mm-hmm. No one does an era the way that Lady Gaga yeah. did that era like no one really commits like that no one does like literally like there's footage of the time she would walk from her car to the hotel lobby with her arms up wearing the most insane outfit and just like that like a performance and everything and i think that that also aged i think really well because at the time everyone was like oh like i got such a poser she's like uh, trying to be a experimental like a performance artist but in retrospect when you think about it 
the biggest pop star in the world doing that is an interesting concept, period. That's an interesting thing that for a pop star to be doing. It's, it's much better than like going on The Voice. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that it was, it aged really well. It vindicated her in more like musical and artistic terms. And then after that, it completely derailed her career. Oh my God. Like I didn't think, I mean, for some, for some people, for the positive, for some people, for the negative, it's up to you what kind of music you like to listen to. But I don't think there's been a 180 as big as art pop cheek to cheek. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that jump is insane. I think, I think art pop had a bigger impact on Gaga's career than Maya did on MIA's career. Like really like mm -hmm. traumatized Gaga. She tweeted in 2019, she tweeted, I don't remember art pop. She performed at the Super Bowl, zero cuts from art pop. Bummer. Yeah. And then after that, she made a jazz album, a back to basics country album, another jazz album. And only till 2020 did she go back to this like electronic sound. But even still, Chromatica is not as daring and like adventurous as art pop. Wow. The damage control of her like following albums. Yeah. But I think that she was able to establish a really interesting career by pivoting into this like. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, Chick to Chick is experimental for someone like Gaga. Yeah. Like it's, the music's not experimental, but it's like so out of the charts. It's so not mainstream. Same with Joanne. She was reading the room saying, these people have had enough of me. Let me yeah, yeah. get some mommy coin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> some mommy coin. While at the same time being like, in, like experimenting with new things. Yeah. You know? I think that's the thing about Gaga. She's, in, yeah. But I think... That Gaga is not the same as the Gaga we have now. Gaga now, she might be a legend, but she's like, um, she's not a key player. She's not like the one that we check for all the time. Mm -hmm. Like 2012, 2011, Gaga was like, people were just, I mean, mostly the fame Gaga. So like 2010, Gaga was just like, everyone was always checking for her. And she was just so, she was the main figure of pop culture, period. Mm -hmm. And she's not been that and won't be that again, probably. And probably because of our pop. Hmm. I think... On the other hand, MIA is ripe for what I'll call a comeback. Mm -hmm. Gaga has done hers, yeah. It's just a news cycle thing. It's just a cycle. Like she's been torn down and now it's mm -hmm. time for her to rise from the ashes on the back of the media. You know, the media will be mm -hmm. the people who decide it's time for her to have a comeback. Literally, the gatekeepers. Yeah. So the gatekeepers. Gatekeepers, yeah. And they are gay. <laughs> So I don't know if the music is right for the next album and it kind of sounds good from what I've heard. I mean, the culture kind of needs her, I think at this point. Yeah, totally. So that's what's and next. Gaga has made her come back and I think she's come back. She's so, steady. Yeah. On her. She's steady. Yeah. We almost forgot to discuss who was inspired by these albums. And I think that's an interesting conversation, especially for Maya. Because what does Kanye West do after Maya comes out? Three years later, he releases Yeezus. Classic. A classic that has some extreme sonic similarities with Maya. Yeah. So last year, Dan Weiss from Spin Magazine described what he called the Revenge of Maya. <laughs> <laughs> Finally a good title. <laughs> good headline. He says, After Death Grips, 106.Never's Garden of Delete, The rise of speaker blowers like Machine Girl and countless unmastered SoundCloud rappers, not to mention the politically fucked industrial racket of Yeezus itself, <laughs> we owe MIA a damn apology. A damn apology. Well, not us. You, 
music writers. Exactly, the people who were writing <laughs> yeah, stuff back then. Society in general. He says, it shouldn't have been too much to chew on that she sampled suicide yeah. and tried on autotune at the same time. Snaps mm-hmm. for that. Totally. Actually, the autotune thing is very, I don't, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the reception of the album, but a lot of, a lot of what people were saying is that, oh, she uses, she uses autotune, you know, like the classic mm-hmm. line that just by virtue of using autotune, it's bad music. Yeah. Whereas both of these albums are like such an interesting use of the tool of attitude. So yeah, I think that's an interesting correction by Spin Magazine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I hear I hear Maya and Yeezus for sure. Mm-hmm. And Death Grips a bit. Mm-hmm. Just the intensity of it. The power. The power. In your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us about Art, art Pop. Um, who was inspired? What was inspired by it? What happened after? So much like Maya, a lot of people wrote retrospective articles years after the fact, mm-hmm. especially in late 2019, right after Gaga tweeted, I don't remember art pop. A couple of little monsters wrote very short article because as, as we know, they don't know how to read or write. So congratulations <laughs> on finishing. No, One of them is by Twitter fixture Rose Dumu. Dumu. You, yeah, do you know her? Mm-hmm. She like works for Netflix and like very, yeah. And in both, though, they don't really focus on the music. I feel like a lot of the legacy and inspiration of Art Pop was, like, conceptually... Like, if Bionic invented the flop album, Art Pop perfected it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's, like, its biggest legacy. Like, the flop era and, like, the flop album as a concept. Mm. A lot of the fans on forums that I was was visiting while I was doing research love to say that um, Art Pop inspired Art Angels. Mm. I don't see that much. That it inspired um, Miley Cyrus and her dead pets. I do see that one a bit. Hmm. But I think the biggest like legacy would be just the PC music sound or the hyper pop sound, hmm. the H word that we've promised our listeners would never say again. Yeah. <laughs> Decades of us saying that word every episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess just in the sense that art pop was the sort of like maximalist electronic pop done by a superstar. Because as we said already, it's inspired by Justice and other electropop sounds. So, but I think just the fact that Gaga did it made it so that then the PC music crowd, who was interested in making fun or exaggerating mainstream pop music, sort of like the base of was art pop in a way. Like the their starting point for them was art pop. So yeah, I mean it's 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 a bit less direct than I would say that the influence that Maya had on the people that you mentioned. But I think just this fact of like maximalist electronic pop. I don't think we would have seen PC music, Charlie in the same way without art pop existing right before. Yeah. Right before it's true. Literally like a few years before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing with both those albums, right? Like the legacy is both like both conceptually and musically is what makes them so important nowadays. Yeah. And, um, DJ white shadow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm calling DJ white claw. He <laughs> did some kind of like April Fool's Day prank where he said he would release tea from Art Pop, which by the way, we haven't even mentioned that originally Jesus. Art Pop was going to be a two-parter. Like oh, yeah, the first yeah. album was supposed to be the pop and the second album was allegedly going to be the art. Oh, interesting. And then that, that never ended up happening. And then Gaga eventually like claimed that was never the case or something. A lot of gaslighting in pop music, but... (laughs) Honestly, in art pop specifically. Something I didn't mention too was a lot of, like, if you go to the forums now, the fans won't respect you 
little monsters don't respect you if you don't listen to the demos. Like if you haven't mm. listened to the art pop demos, you're not a real little monster. I better listen to those, honestly. But DJ White Shadow was saying stuff on Instagram recently, right? Like the T mm-hmm. uh, prank on April Fool's Day got a huge response, and he like, and he's been teasing T ever since, and art pop, and more from art pop. Teasing T. And there's a petition. <laughs> there was. <laughs> There was some petition going around. They saw that. Oh, really? On um, where is that? Change.org. Yeah. Oh, my God. Release Classic. Art Pop Act 2 and give Lady Gaga full creative freedom over her art. 30,000 signatures already. That's quite a few. It's like, this is not that much. Oh. <laughs> for Art Pop too, that's a lot. For Art Pop too, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's not that many signatures for, like, real political issues. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. I mean... I told Joshi earlier that this seems like delusional from Little Monsters to believe that Gaga would ever do that. And I only say that because we've already seen this with Telephone Part 2, right? Mm. They've been clamoring for like a decade now that they want that shit and it's not, it's never going to come. So I don't know how hopeful I would be for Art Poop. Art Poop. Oh, God. <laughs> you can tell Art we've been recording for a while. <laughs> 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 wow, good stuff. Good, good stuff. I don't know, DJ White Shadow. Sorry, is that his name? Like now, I need to actually double check. Yeah, yeah it is White Shadow. It's White we Shadow. Same White Claw. I just like keep texting each other White Claw. He seemed unhinged a bit in that Instagram yeah, post. For like sure. he just seems like he's seeing shadows a little bit, and I don't really know what he's referring <laughs> to. Um, white shadows. White shadows. <laughs> but I mean, if he said he sent Galga a text. Um, reached out trying to get stuff released so maybe we'll have an R-Pop part 2 by next year that would be a serve I would be into that honestly honestly yeah see it's all about the cycle it's time exactly yeah and if anything she should do it now because now is like the peak of the revisionist history on R-Pop yeah yeah she waits a bit long if she waits a bit longer it's gonna go down again exactly yeah but so Gaga if not if when you listen to this episode please (laughs) Do release our pop part two. We'll promote it here. And I'll promise I won't call it our poop <laughs> this next time. <laughs> um, well, so that's against guys. That was a really cool episode. I think like really interesting albums. Listener, you can decide who just won mm-hmm. against. As always, we don't decide for you. No. Maybe you came in with an opinion of which one won. Maybe you've changed your mind. But yeah, thanks for listening. Oh yeah, and another thing, before we go, before we go, another thing worth mentioning is Diplo was quoted in a Lynn Hirschberg piece. This is before we go because it's like a legacy. It's like Diplo is hot and was a cute couple with MIA, but he did say this yeah. to Lynn, okay? Yeah. She met me and we started a relationship. Maya was into the whole terrorism gimmick at the time. It was all underground back then. In the beginning, she was trying to be different. So Diplo did some of Lynn's dirty work. Let's not forget that. Yeah, fuck, yeah. They had just broken up at the time, right? Or not just, but I think, they had broken up and she had a baby with them. Yes, right? exactly. Very recently. So mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake level sabotage. Yeah, fuck, yeah. <laughs> the lesson is like, ladies, be careful with your male collaborators because... <laughs> they turn on a dime. Sometime. Seriously. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Oh, anyways, we love our flops. We love our flops. We love MIA. We love Gaga. We'll see you soon. Yeah, and if you're on the Discord or if you want to join the Discord, let us know which albums you'd love to see compete against each other. Yeah. 
Bye. Bye. Well, I think anytime you're doing something interesting, it's a bit uncomfortable for people. I think any time you're sort of pushing something forward, it's uncomfortable. And it's just that I'm doing something. <laughs> and you know what I mean? I think eventually they will. Because good people are often hated at the time when they're around, you know. 